there, everybody. Uh, wait, no, that's not my catchphrase. <laughs> keep it, keep it. I <laughs> uh, love that theme. Share that meme. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Is That a Foul? The only sports podcast designed for people who don't know anything about sports. I'm Connor Clifton, joined by my co-host, uh, Cody Edgar, via computer screen. What, Connor? Why aren't we seeing each other in lovely person? Well, if you believe the news, there seems to be a pandemic going around that's forcing all of us to social distance, so everybody's recording things from their own home offices, including us. That's right, everybody. We're back, finally. (laughs) And uh, we've got a great episode uh, ahead of y'all, but first got to ask Cody, how you doing? I'm doing as good as I could be at this time. You know, I'm healthy. My family's healthy. My friends are healthy. Uh, I feel for those people out there. And I also feel for the sports world at large because, Connor, there's no sports going on. And, you know, a lot of people uh, miss miss that pastime, miss that kind of stress relief of going home and catching the game. Yeah, I've been missing the fact that, like, since we've been doing this podcast, finally, I have things to talk to my stepdad about. <laughs> and that is nothing. No. No, there's absolutely nothing. Uh, I do like, uh, I guess we'll get into it, but uh, sports are trying their best to cope with this. And the NFL draft was this week and they all mm-hmm. did it from home and it was very silly. <laughs> uh, I'll admit, didn't see much about it. Uh, how was it? Um, it was weird. Uh, it was a bunch of these coaches in their rich ass houses and then a bunch <laughs> of like upcoming players. Uh, with like all their families kind of huddled around and I mean it was kind of cool that they still did it and that they were making an effort to uh, you know kind of you know make some you know normalcy out of the situation but it was it was uh, it was a little weird it was a little weird uh, I guess I, I I thought about like if you've worked that hard to, and like you dream of the day where you get up on that stage and you get the hat and you shake the commissioner's hand and you wave right uh, and then you instead are like sitting at home with your mom. Uh, <laughs> it must be a little bit of a bummer. Hasn't that happened before? I feel like um, I've seen players get drafted before and are watching the news from so, their hotel room. So usually the top picks will go. If you think you're going to get drafted early or you know you're going to be the first pick or something, because uh, teams will tell you, hey, we got the first pick. We're going to take you. Come on down to New York and Radio City Music Hall and – Dip dap doo, let's do it, you know, and um, uh, but no, that was everybody this year. So even wow. even, uh, do you know who the number one pick was? Uh, no. <laughs> he uh, he. I'll give you a hint. He okay. was the, an LSU Tiger. He won the championship with them this year. He was the quarterback. Was it Mike, their mascot, the Tiger? <laughs> no, it was not Mike the Tiger. He was not drafted out of LSU. <laughs> Damn it! He's never getting out of that place. He's he's a lifer. Uh, it was <laughs> it was Joe Burrow. Oh wait, that's one of your friends, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. You told me about him, Joe Burcho. Joe no, Burcho? not that Joe Burch. <laughs> hey, really quick before we leave, go Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> Connor, we're talking a lot of football, uh, but you know, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't feel like it. I feel like, yeah, we talked football. We know football. We've, you know, we've chucked the pigskin around. It's time to chuck a different kind of thing around. Yeah. Well, what do you, what do you mean, Cody? What's our, uh, what's our topic today? Well, I was thinking some leather. Like the old football uniforms? No, silly. 
leather heads. Don't call me silly, you asshole. <laughs> hey, piece of shit. Don't talk to me like I'm that. trying my best here. All right, you know what? I'm done. I'm logging off Skype. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about the old ringe, baby. The ringe ball. <laughs> the ringe ball? Are you talking about basketball? Yeah. Also, didn't know it was called the ringe ball. It's not. That from? It's nothing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Man, sorry. I am adjusting a fan here. I'm not really used we have to having fans? a home office. I have, uh, <laughs> I have a big giant Austin. No, this is a Bionair fan. I got it in college. It's also a, a space heater. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I had to turn off my AC because it's so loud. Oh my! As AC. you know, I live in a crazy cabin. That's true. My AC is on, but I think it should be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bear with okay. us, folks. Cody. Um, I hate to be the teacher's pet, but you're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. Before you reveal the the topic of today, yeah. don't you have a question to ask me? I do have a question, Connor. I forgot how we did this. Connor, <laughs> Connor, me too. Connor, can I ask you a question? Sure. Did you do your homework? I did do my homework. And Yay. today's homework assignment is about Lynn Bias. Sad. Exclamation yes. mark. Yes, sad. Um, like your favorite politician. Hey, do not do that. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Len Bias, he was a forward at the University of Maryland in the 1980s. I believe this all happened in 1988. It was 88. Yeah, because this was the year after uh, Michael Jordan had been declared the rookie of the year. Yeah. So he was a forward at the University of Maryland, busted his ass. He was cut from the team in junior high, and he walked off that uh, court saying, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be in the pros one day, and he busted his ass. He worked super hard all throughout high school. He started hanging around the University of Maryland, really, really wanted to play there because uh, it was close to home. Mm-hmm. So then he gets asked to play basketball for University of Maryland. He's a forward. He's so good, he ends up becoming the second overall draft pick in 1988, and he goes to the team that he's always wanted to go to, which was the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. And Who were imagine... three-time champions with that group at that time. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, like the I'm Bird, to watch Mikhail, the 30... Parrish Celtics were, like, you know, awesome. And so, yeah. I'm about to watch the 30 for 30 uh, Celtics versus Lakers oh, yeah. rivalry special. So I'm excited to learn more about it. But he, he, he gets picked to be on the team that he's – wanted to play for his whole life, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this was like a success story. He was one of the best. He was compared to Michael Jordan. Who, Athletic like I said, freak. Tripping. Yeah. 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 And he flew to Boston for the draft. Yeah. Gets drafted by the Boston Celtics. He's so super happy for a draft event. He's up in Boston and discussions with Reebok. And this is like a, I think like a $5 million contract with Reebok that he signs Mm -hmm. for a product endorsement. He goes home. He gives his family members shoes. He and his dad are hanging out. He's like, hey, I got to go up to Maryland real quick. I'm going to go party with my friends. So he goes to celebrate with his friends. And apparently not a partier, not a huge partier, like really into keeping his body like together. That's what I had heard. So I watched a documentary on it where so many interviews with different people, some people said – this is not the Lynn that I knew. Mm-hmm. Some people said, like, yeah, Lynn, of course he loved to party. He had the fame. Ah. Like, he was so good. Like, I mean, he wasn't in. But I saw an interview with John Sally, who's actually been in the documentary. I've been watching a lot. He was one of the bad boy Pistons, who was a friend of his, and said he didn't really party much. But, yeah, keep going. So I think that he just didn't do drugs. Yeah. I think that was a big thing. Yeah. Like, maybe he slept around. Maybe sure. he had a beer or two. 
but he avoided drugs. Yeah. In fact, in the documentary I watched, four or five days before what happened, I, I hate to say spoilers, but let's yeah. get to it. He tried cocaine at a party and he died. Yeah. Like two days after he got drafted by the Boston Celtics. Yep. Never played a game. Mm-mm. Second round draft pick. Incredibly sad. Yeah. And the people in this documentary indicated that he, um, like four or five days before this happened, he was asked about like, hey, don't you know about the drug lifestyle that goes on in the mm-hmm. NBA? And apparently, Lynn Bias was shocked and like got kind of nervous and didn't know how to respond to that question. Wow. Which my theory was that like he saw the drugs. He's like, I think I'm going to have to do this a lot more often. Maybe I'll just give in to the peer pressure here. Yeah. The thing that John Sally said was apparently it was just not even, you know, it was like pure cut cocaine. 98% right? pure. Yeah. And he had no, and because he had no body fat on him, it like did like a number to his system more than it might have to another person. So, and I wanted to tackle this onto it as well. Sure. You mentioned the purity of the cocaine that he had. Yes. That, because it was so pure in Washington, D.C. at the time, it was so difficult for just common people to get cocaine it was a very elite drug at that time mm-hmm. so for someone to have cocaine of that purity the prosecutors and the da in maryland thought oh these are like high order drug dealers that are just like pushing cocaine into our communities and crack cocaine and after lynn passed away that's when everything everyone started pointing fingers everyone wanted somebody to blame when sometimes these things just fucking happen yeah and so the University of Maryland head coach, their director of athletics, all had to resign. Um, the friend who gave Lynn the cocaine had to, you know, he was charged. And luckily he got out of that. But it created this whole political environment that the Republican Party took advantage of at the time and created the Lynn bias rule, which is if I gave you drugs and you died from using those drugs, I would go to prison for life. Wow. And so it was just this moment of seeing like, oh, hey, this one person's passing away, like affected the geopolitical order in ways that he had no idea that he would be capable of. Um, and one of the things in the documentary I definitely wanted to touch on was the funeral service they had for Lynn Bayer. Yeah, with the jersey. Which was packed to the gills. Yeah. And they talked about how the mother had no idea how much Lynn Bias meant to the world. And it was it was a very touching documentary. The first half didn't really do much for me, but the second half was just a gut punch. Really? So check it out. It's a 30 for 30 um, without bias. Mm-hmm. It's really, really good. They talk a lot about the D.C. political climate and just how much Lynn Bias's passing had to do with socioeconomic things. Yeah. Them. I really, I, that's really interesting. I didn't know the political impact as much. Obviously the sports impact, um, was also huge. Uh, just in that, um, Larry Bird said he would have retired the year after Len bias came. Cause he thought Len might've steered them into, you know, success, but he, you know, felt like he had to play for him in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's awful, awful, awful. And then seeing his mom get that Celtics Jersey that he never got to wear. Yeah. Real hard, real rough stuff. What's really upsetting is just that, like, two years later, his brother passed away, was shot Ugh. in the hall, and, like, a, a dumb, petty dispute over a girl. Someone shot him. And there's footage of Lynn Bias's father talking about the other Bias thing, like, yeah, once we bury Lynn here, and then he just, like, stops, and you just see 
footage of a man realizing both of my sons are dead. And it is gut wrenching. Christ. It is like, oof. Check yeah. out that documentary on ESPN. It's good. It's really, really good. Yeah. All right, Cody, what's the topic <laughs> of the day? I was like, who's going to break it? <laughs> I'll do it. I'll take this one. <laughs> well, my uh, my spiel coming up is very goofy, so <laughs> let's get this. <laughs> hey, you're the one who was like, hey, do Lynn buy it. It's a it's great very sad it's, story. It's a, it's, a, it's a super sad, super, you know, big story. You know, yeah. it, was a, it was the biggest what if, uh, you know. Jeez, we might be seeing him talk about Michael Jordan on a documentary we've been watching, which we'll get to at the end of the podcast. Yeah, the Last Dance. It's very, very well. We'll 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 get to it. We'll get to it. Why don't you tell everybody what our topic of today is? Well, Connor, today we are talking about Ringe Ball, as I've called it, because I wanted to. Um, we're talking about basketball, Connor. Basketball. We haven't really touched too. We've you know we've we've dabbled in certain areas you and me have gone and seen a rockets game together um and uh it's my favorite sport dude yeah yeah i think we talked about uh nba free agency at one point yes we've dabbled a little bit into free agency but now yeah. today we're we're talking about the rules and the history of the game i'm very excited right before the pandemic started i was actually getting into basketball yes um I miss I miss it so much. <laughs> Me too. Uh, I'm a I'm a pretty big I'm, I like, like I like LeBron James quite a bit, uh, and he uh, I think this was a year that he definitely had a shot. Uh, the Pocket Rockets, as they were called, our small ball lineup for the Houston Rockets, were doing some good stuff. Uh, it was just kind of a cool year where a lot of different storylines were happening that were immediately put on hold and. Uh, Pretty sad. Uh, I am a huge basketball fan. Uh, I started watching basketball, I believe, in 97, when I was like five or six is when my dad used to sit me down and watch games with him. Um, and I remember the last Michael Jordan year, and then I remember the Kobe and Shaq years. Those are kind of like my earliest memories of watching the game. And then also watching the Rockets back when it was Stevie Franchise, Catino Mobley. And then I remember when we got Yao being so excited. And that's why he's my favorite player of all time. Ah, great, great, great. Mm -hmm. Hey, quick question I forgot to ask. Huh. Are you recording? Yeah. Okay, good, 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 good. good. <laughs> <laughs> it just occurred to me, I was like, dang, we've already been talking a bit. I hope we're recording. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm a nervous Nelly in these trying times. No, it's cool. I've messed up before. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cody, why don't you go ahead and get into the topic? All right, this is my sports spiel. <laughs> Basketball is my favorite sport. I like the way they dribble up and down the court. Just like I'm the king of the microphone, so is my good buddy, Connor Clifftone. <laughs> that is an original poem I wrote about my love for the game of basketball and my co-host, Connor, here. <laughs> Thank you. I'm about to tear up. No problem. But why basketball? And what basketball? And most importantly, who basketballs? Well... The first man to basketball was a fellow named Dr. James Naismith, a PE teacher at the YMCA in Springfield, Massachusetts, in the year of our Lord, 1892. Naismith was uh, tasked by his boss to find a new game to play indoors to keep athletes in shape during the cold winter months. He nailed peach baskets to the bottom balconies at either end of the gym and told the boys to have at it. Now, the, the rule, he had 13 rules at the time when he first started the game, and they were slightly different than they are now. 
Players could only dribble once before having to either shoot or pass the ball. Teams were made up of nine players each on each team, so 18 players in all. Now, that's a crowded court. Now, <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Frank Mahan, a student of Naismith's, was less than enthused about the new game, as he was quoted at the time saying, Harumph! Another new game! (laughs) (laughs) Thank God politics have simmered down so much. (laughs) I know. But harumph to you, Frank Mahan! A century and some change later, and basketball is one of the world's hottest sports. But it wasn't always that way. The first ever basketball league was the NBL. Uh, National Basketball League created in 1898 and nobody gave a shit. It was <laughs> <laughs> it was disbanded in 1904. Small tournaments took place after that without league affiliation. But you know who did give a shit? College kids. Those rascals. The first college game was played between Hamline University and Minnesota A&M. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, teams had nine players each, like uh, like in the original game, and the basket was only five and a half feet off the ground. Uh, the final score was nine to three. White guys, am I right? <laughs> hey, shut up. I could dunk in those games. Oh, yeah, you, you would have slammed it. <laughs> Cramped up real quick. I feel like I was tall for, like, my height right now, five, six and three quarters, yeah. I feel was ginormally large back then <laughs> oh yeah uh, I just, you I were just, a giant I was strutting with everybody <laughs> yeah. uh the game then spread overseas uh, overseas and fiba was born which is the federation international de basketball amateur uh, also known as fiba uh basketball was then introduced into the olympics in 1936 which then led to professional basketball coming stateside again in, ni- in 1946 with the basketball association of america the baa which in 1949 was renamed the nba the nba had a few rules starting out that we still see today teams were switched to five players on the court 24 seconds per possession baskets were worth two points free throws one and players were thrown out on their fifth foul which is now their sixth foul uh so a little bit of similarities then but many rule changes were soon to come uh at the time only eight teams played uh but the nba still thrived every decade after the 40s can be described best by the teams that dominated it so the late 40s and early 50s were dominated by the Minneapolis Lakers, which actually has lakes. Uh, <laughs> it's Los Angeles Lakers, not a lake to be found. Uh, what about Silver Lake? <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> the late 40s and early 50s saw the Lakers winning five championships thanks to star George McCann, who in today's game would get absolutely bodied by any bench player. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, the late 50s and early 60s were dominated by the Boston Celtics, who won 11 championships in 13 seasons, thanks to star Bill Russell, um, who, again, uh, would get absolutely... It's not Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, in 1967, an alternative league, the ABA, was founded uh, that had a star Julius Dr. J. Irving on the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, but it ultimately got folded into the NBA, and it brought along with it its signature trait, the three-point shot. This happened in 1976. So similar to how the XFL uh, was a separate league, um, and you see some of its players, and hopefully some of its rules got kind of folded in, uh, that's how the ABA worked. Uh, 
uh, 70s were a really floundering time for the NBA. They were really desperate for higher fan attendance and greater interest. Uh, nobody really gave a shit again. And the league was ultimately dying and owners were losing money. Then, you can see more about this uh, in the movie Semi-Pro starring Will Ferrell. <laughs> this is true. Uh, go Tropics. Uh, <laughs> um, that interest sparked up in the 1980s when two rivals joined the league on teams that had been the most winningest teams in uh, the history. A man named Magic Johnson and a man named Larry Bird, uh, who had battled in college and now saw their teams battle in the NBA Finals three times. Uh, Magic Johnson's Lakers won two times to one. Ultimately, the Lakers would win six titles in the 80s, and the Celtics would win three. So they completely took that thing over, and uh, they actually started putting it on TV, kind of revitalized the league thanks to these two dudes. Uh, there's a really good um, documentary on Magic and John, uh, Magic and Larry and their kind of um, – uh, the way that they inspired the league and inspired people to watch and kind of kept it alive for the nineties when the dominance of Michael Jordan and his six time champion bulls came around, uh, the late nineties and two thousand saw the reemergence of the Lakers, the newfound greatness of the Spurs, the emergence of prominent international players in the league from places like China and, uh, Spain and Germany and Dirk Nowitzki and the introduction of a kid from a uh, kid from Akron. After that, it's mostly been who is LeBron playing for or who is he playing against that has determined the NBA champion. (laughs) (laughs) The rules today would not seem completely foreign to Dr. Naismith. He would ask, why are they dribbling so damn much and why are they violently slamming it down on my beloved peach baskets? But the rules rules are pretty simple. Get in the hole. Now, Connor, I bet you have a whole lot of questions. (laughs) I do. I do, I do, I do. Let's start with the first question here. Question one, when was the last time a rule of basketball was created and what was it? So the one that's been seen the most recently, uh, I actually have a clip that I sent for you that uh, maybe you can prepare while I kind of explain what it is. It's the James Harden one is the first email I sent you. Um, The thing that's come out recently is the coach's challenge. Similar to in uh, football and baseball, coaches now have a broader – reach in terms of influencing the game with challenges now coaches can ask for a replay challenge where the officials will go to the replay booth and kind of check or to the sideline over by the scorers table and kind of check out what happened in the previous play uh they can challenge fouls out of bounds calls blocks charges etc um but here's the deal it's still not really perfected yet uh coaches only have 30 seconds to challenge uh that's the only like they have to make up their mind in that time if they're going to use one of their challenges and they have a limited amount of challenges uh and also sometimes even if it is challenged it doesn't necessarily go well um as i will show you in this clip from this year now here's the deal if you are not a rockets fan and you are watching this, you're going to be very mad at me because the narrative right now is the Rockets care too much about this play. Get over it. We protested (laughs) the league about it, but it's absolutely ridiculous. And Connor, uh, if you go ahead and start that clip, you'll see what I'm talking about. All right. I'm pulling it up here. This clip is called James Harden dunk, not counted. (laughs) So if you'll watch the Spurs have the ball. Well, hang on. James Harden steals the ball. There's an ad on this, and I can't skip it. <laughs> it's okay. All right. I'm going to play the audio of this into my microphone. Go ahead. All right, ready? Yep. Go. Well, this one. We're in 
So the Spurs have the ball. James Harden steals it. Dumped it. Oh, what? Huh? Wait. So if you watch, he dunks it, but it comes back out almost like he didn't. So look. Oh. I mean... So here's the deal. If that thing goes through that hoop, that's two points. Just because it comes out at the end, it shouldn't mean shit. Um, but the refs didn't count it. Yeah. Uh, now here's the deal. All the Rockets started arguing so hard. If you watch, uh, Dan Tony's getting really pissed. Yeah. Um, he looks very mad. <laughs> watch that above the rim thing. That's the most telling one. Okay. Mike D'Antoni's getting really upset. Is he the coach? Yeah. Okay. He kind of looks like Jeb Bush. <laughs> he does. And now he seems a little happier. James Harden looks a little upset. Okay, here's the replay. He goes up. Bam. Oh. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so it, it goes through the hoop and swoops around. Yeah, which doesn't mean anything, but if you're not paying attention, it almost looks like it didn't go in. Now, yeah. here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to stop this clip. Yeah, go ahead. Now, here's the deal. That should have been counted. The uh, Rockets lost that game, uh, I believe, by one possession. Um, wow. Now, here's the deal. They, we should have not let the game get away from us, uh, but it is ridiculous that we scored a basket that did not count. But I think what happened was... What the refs, the refs later said they made a mistake, which cool. If you don't know, there's an after report every game where after the game, the next day it comes out with all the mistakes the refs made <laughs> and everybody's like, <laughs> everybody's like, cool. Who gives a crap? Um, <laughs> that doesn't change anything. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, apparently they said Mike D'Antoni didn't get his challenge in, in the first 30 seconds. Cause he was just yelling about it. He didn't formally say. I challenge it because <laughs> um, he uh, just thought it was so because you, ne you never have to challenge a basket usually. <laughs> yeah. No. So that. So that's similar <laughs> to similar to the MLB, we talked about this, about bringing in more replay techniques uh, and how the NFL now you can replay foul c calls. Um, uh, They're starting to integrate that more into the NBA, too. We've had the discussion about what's better, letting it be official and have. Uh, you know, a, a little, ha um, you know, um, you know, room for error, or do we want to get it exactly right using technology? What's your take, Con? Okay, I've talked to you about this, and I've talked to a friend about this. Um, I I don't think we should use the technology. I think well, we need to rely on human refs. And my mm -hmm. friend was like, but it would eliminate all these needs for like all these rule disputes and we could have the computers just like perfectly down to a science. But you raised a good point to me where it's like, even if the computer was perfected, the <laughs> yeah. other team would be like, Oh, it's broken. Oh, exactly. it. Like we'd always argue about it. We and would. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Shit on referees. is kind of fun. It so. is fun. You don't want to see man, like angry, fat, white managers storm out of dugouts anymore to scream at angry, fat, white umpires. <laughs> it's the best part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're sitting there yelling at each other. 
kicking <laughs> so up crest. Watching Mike D'Antoni yell is fun. Also, he has three first names in two names. It's what pretty great. The- Mike D'Antoni. Oh. <laughs> I, um, I think you're reading that wrong. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, question two. Basketball seems to attract players from all over the world, as you said earlier. What did you think makes it so internationally accessible? So here's what I will say. And uh, the second uh, I won't talk. We won't go to the clip right now, but I do have a second clip that kind of goes with this. that I just sent you in an email. That is my favorite clip in a long time that we've ever had on this show. Okay, um, I'll get here's it right the, here. All right. Here's the deal. Basketball is very, very popular in Europe and China. Very, very popular. Um, as you saw this summer, uh, especially in China, there is such a um, connection to basketball, um, especially when you saw everything that went down with the Daryl Morey comments and how they boycotted the Rockets. Uh, they, um, you know, there's a lot of love and hate and they care there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was a hard thing for them to drop. They didn't just drop it and move on. They dropped it and protested and, you know. Got rid of all the murals and whatever. Um, Here's why I think it's so big. Here's the first thing. First off, it's pretty simple to understand. Um, There's not, and also it's fast paced. So if the object of soccer is to get it in the goal, right? Mm -hmm. um, That's something that uh, worldwide we can understand. That's what they're trying to do. It's very similar for basketball. Um, We just use our hands instead of our feet. Uh, here's the other thing that's really big, and this is why I think soccer is so popular worldwide, too. We can see their faces. So we start to, like, really understand. Like, we start to, like, get attached to people. We yeah. can see their raw emotions. It's not like football where they have the helmets. Uh, they can see LeBron James or, you know, the Warriors have been really big in China recently because it's like these little guys like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson jacking up these threes and doing these impossible shots. And uh, you get to see them like, you know, Steph Curry has a really expressive face and he kind of like, you know, talks some trash and he shimmies and he dances and stuff. And like, yeah. that's fun for us to watch. I really think that seeing the, um, you know, not having helmets or anything obstructing the face really gives the emotion off and things like facial expressions are just worldwide. You know, you understand what they're trying to do. Like you understand when Michael Jordan, you know, makes those faces or sticks his tongue out. Like those are just things that are iconic no matter what language you speak. So yeah. I think that's a really big thing. Um, also the NBA has made a very conscious effort to reach out, uh, and, um, has had players. So Yao was an, like Yao coming over from China was such a huge deal because he forged, cause he was a huge basketball star in China during the Olympics and international play that when he came over there, all of his fans became Rockets fans. And so we have tons of Rockets fans in China. And that's why when that whole thing went down this summer, there was a huge sever there for yeah. some of our fans. Um, but there's uh, just they love basketball stars. And here's the other thing. And this brings up our clip. When basketball stars start getting out of the NBA because they can't keep up with the competition there, what they do is they start going to China or to Europe to play in their later years. OK, hoping they can stay in shape do well in China, and hopefully maybe make it back to the NBA. One of those cases was a guy named Stefan Marbury. Okay, He started off on the Suns, then he went to the Knicks. When he got to the Knicks, he didn't do as well as everybody expected he would do, but this guy could ball. He was an all-star. 
He uh, was a point guard. He was flashy. He was fun to watch. Really great. But, you know, overall, a B player in the NBA. Fast forward two. He goes to China, becomes the biggest Chinese basketball player of all time. They make statues of him, and ultimately, they write and he stars in a musical about his life. All right. In China. So what you're going to watch is clips from the Stefan Marbury musical, I Was Marbury. All right. I'm putting this up to the microphone here. Okay. What are you what 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 time signature are you on? It's like 150 something. Oh no, put it on put it on a uh, 00. Sorry. Oh, yeah, you sent me a Okay. My bad. Put All it right. on 10th. Put on yeah, 00. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till he shows up. Okay. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> if you didn't see, his sleeves shot off his arms. His sleeves shot off of his arm. Yeah, very, very cool. Uh,. So I guess he was a very big deal. Yeah, keep playing, keep playing. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Here we go. So you see Stefan Marbury. Yeah. Oh, he grabs somebody. Yep. He fist bumps him. Yeah, he fist bumps him. And then they keep their fist connected and look out into the crowd. And I assume espouse a message of hope and togetherness. He looks so checked out during his own musical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. He doesn't look very uh, excited. Do you think he showed up to rehearsals or he's like, look, I'm showing up to know. five this nights. Is, this is my favorite part. Okay. <laughs> a oh, part. And now he's dancing. <laughs> yeah. My favorite part is like, everybody's circling him in a circle and he's just kind of fist bumping everyone and kind of dancing. Somebody throws him a basketball. He starts to dribble, and he messes up a few times. Oh, yep, there he goes. <laughs> <laughs> Opening night, and he couldn't even get it. Oh, there he goes. He drops it. Oh, man. All right. But so that guy was not anything. Like, he was He was pretty good. I remember I went to New York once, and there was a billboard of him. Um, but it got quickly taken down because he sucked for the Knicks. But... <laughs> Uh, he was he's such a legend in China and I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> All right. All right, question 3. Have there been rules put into place that were not the best fit and were subsequently removed? Um I couldn't really find much that got removed. Um but I mean that was like a rule that got implemented then removed, but there was a policy 
or a thing that people did that got removed. So we've been watching The Last Dance, and we watched an episode about the Bad Boy Pistons, and also there's a documentary about the Bad Boy Pistons. And they kind of exemplified the defenses you saw in the 80s and 90s, which relied on something called hand checking um, that you might not be familiar with. So what hand checking is, is when an offensive player wants to move left on you in the 80s and the 90s, you could put your hand out and just kind of push him back a little bit. Uh, and it was called hand checking. Now you couldn't full off shove them, but you could check them with your hand, right? You can kind of pop, 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 pop. As they're going to the left, you can kind of move them a little bit to the right with your hands, uh, when they're on the perimeter, like the three point line, right? Now in the paint, you could do that all you want, but if somebody was trying to drive on you, you could kind of push them left, push them right a little bit. Okay. Now here's the deal. In 2004, 2005 season, uh, I believe, is when MJ finally retired, right? That was the first season without MJ, okay? Uh, and the league uh, realizes that there's no more guys that can take it from the top of the key, like on the three-point line, and like drive that thing all the way home because defenses are just eating them up, right? They're just pushing the shit out of these little guys. And MJ was kind of the last guy who could do that, right? LeBron really hadn't... I mean, LeBron was great, but he was one, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what they do in 2004-2005 is they start to phase out hand-checking, okay? So unless... They are in the paint near the basket. You can't put your hands all over the guy anymore. And what that does is it takes great defense away in favor of great offense. Um, teams start to score more and people like uh, Steve Nash, who was like this little scrawny dude, starts to win MVP because no one could touch the dude without getting fouled or without getting a foul. So they start moving away from that. And that's why the NBA nowadays is called what's it's called soft. You can't lay a hand on LeBron or else you're going to get a foul called on you. Uh, you can't touch Steph Curry. And so what he does is he's just going to dance on you, take a long three and make it. When back in the 90s, if he tried to dance on you and drive to the hoop, Dennis Rodman would have just belt, you know, just thrown him over. Right. Uh, so is it a bad thing that the hand checking has gone in a way? Yeah, I think that their physicality was something that meant a lot to the game. You had to be kind of tough in order to survive. And I also think that I love watching great defense as much as I like watching great offense in basketball and defenses are very limited nowadays. If you see a NBA guy in a game complaining, what is he usually complaining about? Get he just got a, he got a foul called on him. Right. Yeah. And he did, he thought he didn't do it. Yeah. Um, so it's become a softer league and there's a huge debate over, uh, you know, should the NBA bring back some hand checking? Well, what do you think? I don't know, <laughs> but that kind of leads into my next question: Who would decide the rules of the game? So that'd be the owners, the NBA Board of Governors. Uh, they're called governors in the NBA, so they uh, all create the rules and vote on them, uh, and they vote on other new rules proposed uh and the officials enforce and you just need a majority vote to to sway it oh <laughs> for some reason i thought the commissioner has something to do with that um he rules over the proceedings um but it's ultimately up to the owners of each team in order to uh, vote on the new rules so marky cuban in the bunch <laughs> okay all right my last question for you is what rules would you like to see implemented or is the game perfect? Uh, here's the deal. Uh, the NBA season's too damn long. 
uh, it's 82 games. Everyone always gets injured, and then the playoffs come around, and that's a whole other month of play, and they're all tired. <laughs> and so what they've started to do is there's a thing, there's a big debate, and this is very important for today's NBA. There's a thing called load management. And if you don't know what that is, somebody like Kawhi Leonard, he doesn't play the full 82 games. He sits out games. They say it's for load management, and then he plays way better than everybody else because he's not tired all the time. Um, so I think the sh- season should be shorter. Okay. Um, the other big problem, all my changes are to address, uh, the problems of the NBA. And I'm not the first pe- person to say these problems, but I think the NBA season should be shorter. Uh, here's the other thing. Eight seeds from each conference make the playoffs, right? If, and there's a thing called tanking that we've talked about. Do you remember what tanking is con? Wait, that's when you intentionally do bad so you get a better draft pick. That's correct. Uh, tanking. Hell is a yeah! Huge... <laughs> Hang on a <laughs> you second. Did it. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Give me my moment to gloat. I <laughs> listen. I actually got to talk about this yesterday when I was telling somebody about like that Sports Illustrated article on uh, "Say Hello to Your 2015 uh, World Series Winning Houston Astros." Um, and I was trying to explain it to them, and they kept interrupting me to be like, yeah, but, like, this is kind of like the Bilderberg group, right? Like a large capitalist conspiracy where they're picking who wins years in advance. I was like, no, not really. It's just, it's just <laughs> knowing the rules and playing within those rules to get better at the rules. Yeah, no, completely. Uh, they tank their way to victory. And that's what you see a lot of NBA teams trying to do, the 76ers. Uh, if you didn't know, Joel Embiid is their main star, and he's nicknamed The Process because he says, trust the process. And The Process <laughs> was their general, manage- ge- their general manager, Sam Hinkie's tanking policy. And the NBA hates tanking because it makes NBA ra- it makes TV ratings go down. It makes teams worse. Nobody wants to come watch them. And they suffer so that ultimately they do well. So, Bill S- – oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say in the uh, the last dance – there's a part, and I yes. think the first episode, where it is. the coach of the Bulls at the time was saying that, like, oh, we're going to tank. And Michael yeah. Jordan got really mad about it and wanted to win. Yes, because he's a, a real competitor. Yeah, he doesn't want to tank. Um, so here's how you eliminate tanking. Because here's the thing. There's only eight seeds And there's 16 teams in the conference. So if you're 13, 14, 15, and there's only 10 games left, are you going to play your best players? No, because what if they get injured and they don't get to play next year when you want to win? Here's how you stop people from doing that. And Bill Simmons made this up. Do you know who Bill Simmons is? No. Used to work for ESPN, then made Grantland, now is the head of the ringer. Okay. Uh, Okay. So here's the deal. You do a tournament for the eighth seed. That all teams are in. So the first seven seeds are locked in. Eight through 16 play each other for the eighth seed. One game. Oh, like March Madness style one game tournament. So, and whoever wins that tournament gets to go to the playoffs. So that gives incentive that if you're the worst team in the league, you, it doesn't really, you know, you could still make the playoffs. My pushback on that, despite not being an expert on the NBA at all, is would that help in shortening the length of the NBA season to have? If you you combine it, that's my thing. If you combine it, then all the top teams get a little bit of rest. The bottom teams get to play a little bit longer, and they get a chance to get into the playoffs where miracles happen all the time. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. So – 
think that's kind of fun. My other thing that'd be fun is one and one free throws. If you didn't know in the NBA, if you get fouled, you get two free throws or three free throws if you're behind the three point line. Mm-hmm. In college, if you get fouled, you got to make your first free throw in order to take your second free throw. Mm. Which I think is a lot better because when people get, uh, it make, it's going to make people get better at free throws because uh, a lot of centers are bad at free throws and they get hacked and they can't make it. Um, I think it makes it a lot more interesting if uh, near the end of a game, here's the other thing, near the end of the game, people foul a lot. So like, let's say you're down by four, okay, and the other team has the ball. What you're going to do is you're going to foul them so that they have to make try to make two shots. And if they miss two of them by some chance, then you get the ball back. You shoot a three. You make it. You're down by one. You foul again. They make two. Now you're down by three. You shoot a three. You tied, right? Yeah. Um, in this way, if you're down by four, you hack them. They miss the first one. You can get the ball. You know what I mean? I think that's kind of fun. <laughs> um, and that's, that's how it goes in college. Uh, so that would be my other change. I think it's kind of fun. Cool. Well, uh, hang on a second, Cody. I got something for you here. It's really dusty. Oh, <laughs> I'm blow that oh dust everywhere. Oh, my God. Here, I'm going to pass it through you through the computer screen. Here you go. All righty. There you go. It's I'm your soapbox. It is my soapbox. This is Cody's soapbox where I give my take or my personal little plea about uh, the subject we're on. Uh, we're talking about the NBA. The NBA is very near and dear to my heart, and I've been watching it longer than I've been watching any sport, mostly because as a kid, baseball was a little too slow-paced. As a kid, we didn't have a football team until 2002. So, you know, I had all those years uh, until I was 10, and I needed a sport. And for me, it was basketball, and for me, it was the Houston Rockets. And every team has its stars, right? So you know the LeBrons, the Kobe's, the Kevin Garnett's, the Paul Pierce's. You know all these guys. But what about the Giamatti's? Who? <laughs> I love the Giamatti's, which are guys that are not necessarily the star. But when they're in a supporting role, they're always going to kill it. <laughs> oh, Paul Giamatti? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I thought this was like a rock. Wow, I can't believe I said who to Paul Giamatti. Star of Big Fat Liar. Sure, they'll have some starring moments, and they're great, but they're best in a little supporting role where you go, there's Paul Giamatti. You mean like a trailer? <laughs> sure. You know, the Bushamis, uh, the guys that, yes, they've had starring things, but you like them on the side. The Stephen Tobolowskis. <laughs> If their name ends in E, they're good with me. <laughs> so here's a, a toast to them. Moochie Norris. Moochie Norris. You might want to Google him just for a visual image. Moochie Norris was on the Rockets uh, in the early 2000s and late 90s. And God, he was so cool. Uh, he used to have a big afro. He used to run around and yell at people. Uh, he's a great, great player. He had some cornrows. Uh, he has his own basketball academy now. Um, he was a great guy. Does anybody give a shit about Moochie Norris except me and my friends? Hell no, but we <laughs> loved Moochie Norris. If you tell anybody your favorite actor is Paul Giamatti, they're going to look at you funny. <laughs> same, same, same thing with me and Moochie Norris. So we love you, Moochie Norris. <laughs> uh, Chuck Hayes, the Chuck Wagon. He used to play with Yao and T-Mac. And man, he was just playing some bully ball. And he would, uh, un- he, sometimes he would do underhand free throws. And he was great. And we love you, Chuck. 
other guys, Ray for Alston, also known as Skip to My Lou. Um, he was a great player. Wait, hang on. Are these the original basketball players or the Rockets no. of the early 90s? Late 90s, early 2000s okay. Rockets. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, so, you, uh, I'm sure you have your own Paul Giamatti at home in the sport of your choice or the field of your choice. Connor, what's a Paul Giamatti of yours from any kind of field? Maybe politics. I know you like politics. What's a guy who's not necessarily a star, but man, you kind of liked him in a supporting role. Oh, um, <laughs> I thought Sean Spicer was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> he was funny. I liked when he hid in those bushes. <laughs> that was great. Remember when he dressed up like a bunny? <laughs> Remember when he was on Dancing with the Stars? <laughs> yeah, I do. That was bad. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of harder to talk about, like, goofy politicians that no one remembers because nef- they've all done nefarious shit. So, like, oh. I could I could just as easily be like, oh, here's somebody who is very inconsequential. And then somebody will be like, actually, they implemented a trade policy that led to the massacre of <laughs> all these. Like, all right, all right, you're right. So, yeah, Sean Spicer was a bad guy. Geez, there, I said it. See you, Spice Man. See you, Spice Man. So, I want I, I, I ask our audience to look for the Giamatti's in your life and, uh, and be reverential. Let me ask them. you this. Would Jose Lima be a Giamatti of the Houston Astros, or was he too big? Nah, a little bit too good. Too good? Okay. Because I good. only remember Much- him from the Casa Olay commercials, and then yes. he went off to the Detroit Tigers? I don't remember where he went. That's sad. Yeah. Jose Lima. Oh, my my um my gym teacher was in that commercial. Oh, cool. <laughs> I know. She told us all and we went home and watched it. We were, we thought it was so cool. Jose Lima was on the uh, Mets, the Dodgers, the Strohs, and the Tigers. So yes. Nailed it. Oh, I know who a Giamatti of the Astros was. Uh, Robbie Grossman, my old high school bully. Yeah. <laughs> if you guys, if you guys are unfit familiar, <laughs> Connor used to get beat up by this dude who was an astro later. <laughs> yeah, and where is he now? Nowhere. Wait, where Furloughed. is he? Is he still on the Astros? I gotta double check this. He is not on the Astros. <laughs> Fuck you, Robbie. <laughs> we hate you, Robbie Grossman. <laughs> So say so. I think the ultimate message is revere and pay homage to the Giamatti's of your life and fuck the Grossmans. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, do you remember how this show goes? Uh, I I do. I remember that now it's time for me to test your knowledge, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Connor, uh, you're going to be the owner of a new team that's entering the league. Okay. okay? Uh, so go ahead and name me a city. Um, any coast? Any any city that you think should uh, should get a new basketball team? Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. All right. Kind of medium market. Uh, should have gone Seattle. They're really hungry for a team, but I whatever. I thought they had a team. Uh, the Supersonics. The Supersonics became the Thunder, buddy. The Oklahoma City Thunder? Yeah. Oh, okay. Now I'll do Seattle. Okay, so you're back in Seattle. What's the name of your team? Um, the Grungers. Okay, so you shit it on the Supersonics. They're hungry for the Sonics back, but all what right. The-, <laughs> <laughs> the Grungers. They got plaid uniforms. The rest of the owners. So you're at a meeting, okay? This is almost like a uh, little, uh, you know, D and D quest. Uh, you're walking through. All the owners are looking at you Don't sideways, okay? Because fucking asshole. 
<laughs> so you're walking through the, all the owners are looking at you sideways because you you know went to seattle but you didn't name them the sonics also you're wearing plaid and a kurt cobain mask <laughs> and it's very t- not tasteful <laughs> um you walk up and you see mark cuban what do you want to do um i want to geez if i see mark cuban i guess i'd ask him how the other sharks are doing I'd make fun of him for flip-flopping so much during the health crisis. And then I'd say, how you doing, Marky C? Um, he sees holes in your jeans, and for that reason, he's out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll move on. All right. Whatever. Oh, on. no, the owner of the Dallas Mavs doesn't like me. Uh, you move over to your other uh, owner, uh, friend in, you know, uh, in Texas, um, and you see Tillman Fertitta. What do, you, what do you want to say to Tillman Fertitta? Are you asking me or are you asking the owner of an NBA team that's trying to I'm get I'm asking Connor food? Clifton, governor of the Seattle Grungers. I would say, hey, Tillman, why didn't you pay any of your friggin' employees during the, the pandemic shutdown, you jerk? Get your fucking name off my U of H stadium, you piece of shit. And your he shrimp gives, sucks. He gives you a coupon to Landry's and fucks off. Well, all right. At least he fucked off. Um, all right. Now uh, you walk up and uh, you are tasked to give a speech on uh, a n- three new rules that's going to help re-energize the NBA. Okay. And everyone's looking at you. All right. <laughs> Including Michael Jordan, owner of the Charlotte Hornets. Oh, shit. He's the governor now? Yeah. Oh. He looks at you. He tugs his earring three times and, sh- and fondles his Hitler mustache. <laughs> <clears throat> Fellow governors, I may be a simple man from Texas coming up here fraternizing with the fellow grungers of Seattle, but I come to you. Uh, I'm going to drop the accent. Uh, (laughs) I cannot lie to you, my fellow governors. That's not a good way to convince you of these three new rules that I want to suggest to all of you. Rule number one, the shoes need Heelys. Think of how much fun everyone will have under zip zop zooming around the court, just wheeling around, carrying beer and snacks to people. Yes, I see a hand. I, Larry Tannenbaum... (laughs) <laughs> chairman of the NBA Board of Governors and owner of the Raptors. Agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that's one down. All right. Okay. <clears throat> Rule number two. The balls need more bounce. I don't know about you, but when I feel like I'm watching people dribble up and down the court, the ball's landing with the thud, and it's not landing with a pop. It's not bouncing all around. Yes, I see another hand. I'm Steve Ballmer, owner of the Clippers. It's good to see you, man. Let's bounce these balls. Yes, 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 yes. All right. Yes, man. man would Steve Ballmer, wouldn't he have, like, some a hand in a Seattle basketball team being the former yes, CEO? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, all right. That's why he's on board. That's why he's on board with me. All right, yes, all right. Yes, 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 yes. Sorry yes, to discuss yes. the NBA inner politics during my big speech yes, here. Yes, yes, 
Also, my final rule, the league is too damn long. Can we get a break? Can we shorten the game? Can we have more games in one night so that we can decrease the amount of weeks that we're spending playing this game? I don't know about y'all, but I'm one tired, Gov. Yes, I see multiple hands. Hello, we are Joshua Harris, Adam Aaron, David Blitzer, Martin J. Geller, David B. Heller, Travis Hennings, James Lasseter, Mark Leader, Michael Rubin, Art Rubel, Eric Thoyer, Handy Satejo, Will Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith, and Kevin Hart, the owners of the Philadelphia 76ers. Hey, y'all. <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and we all agree. Yay! Yeah, yeah. Is that your Will Smith? That was- that was Will. <laughs> Your Will Smith sounds like Johnny Bravo. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> Watch me go. You ain't never had a friend like you, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the- Connor, you passed the test. All right. Hell yeah. Uh, now, before we wrap things up, there's one thing that we talked about doing at the end of these uh, episodes now that we're back. Um, is talking about the Last Dance, the new Michael Yay. Jordan documentary. Cody, uh, can you tell me and our listeners a little bit about what makes this documentary so significant? Yes. So, if you don't know, the Last Dance is chronicling the 1997-1998 season of one Michael Jeffrey Jordan and his Chicago Bulls, uh, with special emphasis on Phil Jackson, the coach, oh, Scottie Pippen, the, the second in command, and Dennis Rodman, the wild card. Uh, it is a 10-episode arc uh, where we see uh, kind of flashbacks between Michael Jordan's uh, first getting to the Bulls, revitalizing them, and ultimately winning six championships. And it chronicles their tumultuous final championship run that included a lot of weird politics and very disgruntled people Um, and it's very very interesting and i'm learning a lot of stuff i didn't know while also just reveling in seeing extra footage of things i had only heard of but it's just fun god seeing him hate isaiah thomas in real life was so great because you knew he hated him but you didn't like i don't know just seeing him watch that message from him and just being like oh he's still an asshole like it's just so great the thing that i love the most (laughs) about michael jordan i watched it with my mom and my stepdad and one of the things that i love the most about michael jordan is if you watch they have a bunch of his supporting cast from the team like bj armstrong and horace grant and um John Paxson, and they're all talking about it like you would talk about something that happened, you know, all the, you know, like 25 years ago. You would go, oh, well, this and this, and then, yeah, that was 30 years ago, and this, this, and this. Michael Jordan is still there. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's still in that exact day. He has not, like, he feels the exact same emotions. He has no perspective. It's all still back then to him. Yeah. He feels every emotion right now. When he was talking about Scottie Pippen's migraine, like, you could tell he was still upset about yeah. it. He was like, I'm not going to tell him he didn't have a migraine. Like, basically, like, implying, like, nut the fuck up. Like, you know? Like, it was insane that he just was still so in that present day. It's very, it was very telling to see uh, how Michael Jordan just reacted to anyone else's either insecurities or just life getting in the way 
And he's just like, fuck that. <laughs> Watching him see that Isaiah Thomas footage was very, very funny. Um, just him saying like, oh, I bet he's going to say, oh, now that we know how bad it got. And then he watches the clip. He's like, well, if we knew how bad it would get, he's like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. What did I tell you? What did I tell you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was so, it's just so funny. There's no, like, I don't know. There's no love lost. Like he's still like there. Like he's still in that moment. I just love how much of a dick he is. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's great television. Yeah. No, I'm having a blast. We're watching it with uh, Ned and Jared friends of yeah. various shows and uh it's it's a it's a it's a it's a hoot the group chat goes off whenever that show's on it does the music by the way when they started playing cool mo d and fucking ll cool j and shit like that it's so well put together uh this the last two episodes were about uh phil jackson's influence and then the bad boys and both so well done mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, like, I don't know, just really good framework. I really liked it. Um, and, uh, we'll keep up, we'll keep up with it. But, um, for, I I just, I, you know, you forget, man, you're watching those clips. First off, basketball looks so dope in film, like over digital. It just makes it look cooler. Like it just makes it look like the texture on the court. Mm. Just like, I don't know, like everything just looks better. And then you just forget, man. Uh, these guys are killers, dude. Um, and, and it puts you in the moment. My, I was telling you, my mom was watching it. And every time John Paxson hit a shot in that, uh, in that game versus the Pistons, she just kept clapping. <laughs> oh no, it was the, it was the finals versus the Lakers. Uh, she just kept clapping. It was so funny. All right. Well, uh, next week we'll have to touch base again on where the documentary goes. And uh, hopefully there'll mm-hmm. be more stuff about Phil Jackson because he is blowing my mind. Um, and I would love to do an episode just on him alone. <laughs> He's so crazy. Zen master, man. Zen master. Yeah, 13 rings. Yeah. Jesus. All right. <laughs> well, uh, Cody, before you uh, we wrap up, how do we do this? Do we do plugs first, then you give me my assignment? Or do you assign me? Uh, I think, yeah, we do. Let's do some plugs first. Okay. Oh, well, uh, go ahead. What would you like to plug? I'd like to plug our trio of podcasts that we got here, uh, our Holy Triumvirate. Uh, please, we'll have more episodes of this. Uh, we have episodes of Honey, I Shrunk the Binge coming out. And make sure to check out F and Ranger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll plug the same thing. Uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at CliftoCurrency. Uh, follow F and Ranger. Is that a foul? I think we're at yeah. Is That a Foul Pod on Instagram and yep. Twitter. To follow us. Yep. Um, anything else? Um, your homework assignment for next week. I would like for you to uh, study the beef of Ray Allen and the Boston Celtics. Ray Allen and the Boston Celtics. Okay. Yes. Their beef, uh, the anniversary they had, and the dec- decision not to include one of the members of their team because of the beef. Um what they accomplished, what they didn't accomplish, just all that. I think it's a fun topic to go on. All right. I'll check it out. All right. Well, that wraps it for another episode of Is That a Foul? This is episode nine, Basketball Rules. We'll see you next week. Later, knuckleballs. Bye, buddies. <laughs> <laughs>